Well, I started last week, I uh, uh, usually teach in series. That's what God's led me to do. And I've been, I started a series on healing. Uh, it's not going the way I thought it would, but most things usually don't. How many know that's okay? So healing belongs to you in Christ. And I uh, began talking about that last week. Uh, one thing I didn't mention last week, we gave you some slips of paper. Y'all still got those? No, yes. Is there something in front? Well, well, if you've got questions about healing, questions about the last year, questions, if you'll write them down on a slip of paper and just drop it in that black, uh, black bucket uh, on the table there as you exit, or you can email them to us or whatever, then uh, I, I would like to address questions you have about healing during this series. Is that all right? And uh, I think that would be good. Also, I wanted to mention I, um, I do a podcast. I did do it five days a week, and I did that for six months. That was a lot uh, every single day. And so I did want to say MitchHorton.com. I've got a personal website, and I want to thank uh, publicly Isaiah Short for making that happen. We put it on a new server. So how about give Isaiah a hand? It really made it look a lot better. And uh, anyway, MitchHorton.com, I have a blog I write every day, Monday through Friday. I don't Saturday, Sunday. And then you can access the blog. But then also you can access the podcasts from MitchHorton.com. Just go up to the top and find podcast, click, and there you are. And you've got the latest episode. I do one on Tuesdays and Thursdays now. But I said all that to say I did 51 podcasts on healing. I started in November and and finished early January. So I want to encourage you, uh, get those and listen to them because uh, I went into detail. I don't have time to go into the detail. If I went into the detail I wanted to on Sunday morning, you'd be here till early afternoon. Every week, you know. And and if you do it, I'd probably do it. You know, that's why I like going on the mission field. They let me preach all day if I want to. And sometimes we did. So anyway, uh, but there's a lot on divine healing. How many know healing isn't in God's redemptive plan for you? It's sad to me that a lot of churches, you never hear of the subject of divine healing. I was in church almost 18 years and never heard one sermon on the subject of healing. Not one, not one. And now, sadly, many churches are backing away from the healing power of God at the very time that God wants to stir it up. How many hear me? Next thing I need to share with you, our notes are online, uh, victorychurchraleigh.com. Uh, you can find the sermon notes there. And I have a reason for saying that today, and I'll talk to you about it just a little bit later. You can follow along. But I put the notes on there so that you just don't hear me. If all you do is come and listen and forget, it does you no good. Yes or no? And there's a lot of things pulling at our time. I think this is important. I think the Word of God is important. I'll tell you to revolutionize your life. It'll save your life. It'll bless your life. It will free your life. The Word of God is everything you need to be free. That didn't go over, over Bill. I said the Word of God will free you. If you continue in my Word, Jesus said, then you'll be my disciples indeed, and you'll know the truth, and the truth will make you free. A lot of believers are bound because they don't know the truth. Oh, they hear the truth, but you've got to put into practice what you hear. So I want to help you do that. Is that okay? Well, that's sermon number one. Second was, second sermon I want to talk about, uh, watch what you hear. This is part two of healing belongs to you in Christ. And uh, uh, I want to share a friend of mine with you. And that friend is Isaiah 53, verses four and five. I have meditated on that scripture uh, for, uh, my goodness, 40 uh, almost 45 years, and, uh, and I woke up last night, and it went over inside of me again. Isaiah 53, 4, this is, uh, this is proof, positive, that when Jesus died for our sins, he also 
uh, took our illness on his body so we could be healed. Now watch this. Surely he's borne our griefs. That word griefs in parenthesis, I put the word sicknesses because it uh, could and I think should be translated sicknesses. Surely he's borne our sicknesses and carried our sorrows or pains. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him and by his stripes we are healed. Now I was raised in a church that said, well, you know, that's not talking about physical healing. That's talking about spiritual healing. We'll heal healed spiritually. No, 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 you're transformed spiritually. You become a new creature in Christ Jesus. Old things pass away, all things become new. You're more than healed, you're transformed. You're a new creature in Christ Jesus. In fact, we have a divine commentary on this because I'm sure that God knew that a lot of people would say that's just, that's just spiritual, not physical healing mentioned there in Isaiah 53 verses 4 and 5. So, so, so he, had, uh, he had the uh, uh, apostle Matthew as he was used by the Holy Spirit to pen the, uh, the, um, uh, the uh, gospel Matthew, Matthew 8, 17, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet saying himself took our infirmities and bear our sicknesses. The previous verses, Jesus had been healing people and healed all that were sick that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet. So there in the book of Matthew, he intertwined healing and Jesus sacrificed very clearly so that we couldn't miss it or misunderstand what he's saying. How many hear me? God wants us, and it's the will of God, that if you walk free from sin, it's also just as much his will that you walk free from sickness. Yes or no? So health and healing belong to us in Christ. So I mentioned this last week, the same faith that we receive forgiveness from, uh, for sins and a new life in Christ is the same faith can, that can bring healing into our physical bodies. So uh, we're looking at four things uh, that we need to know about receiving healing. And I thought I'd do all this, you know, uh, uh, last Sunday, but here we are. And I'm only going to get to point two today. I've got four. This is, we'll get to number two today. Last week, uh, the first point was you got to deal with fear in your life. I'm going to know fear is contraband. Fear is something that you should not allow in your life in any realm. If you've got a fear, deal with the fear. If you don't deal with the fear, how many know it will control you? There's a lot of people walking around today controlled by various things because fear, fear is the underlying basis for what they're thinking and how they're behaving. A lot of people today have the fear of people. A lot of people are afraid today to get out because of, of the coronavirus, because of what they've heard. See, fear is ruling, yes or no? I know some people say, well, I'm just using uh, wisdom. No, you're in fear. If you're not out functioning today, you're in fear. And you got to deal with the fear. Now, these things are very real. And, uh, you know, we got to deal with them. So, again, you can't exercise faith and fear at the same time. Uh, they're, they're, they're polar opposites. And when faith comes, it expels fear. You can't have fear and faith at the same time. It doesn't work. Faith cancels fear or fear cancels faith. Yes or no? It's just that way. So, you know, fear attracts Satan the way faith attracts God. You know, I cut a piece of watermelon outside. And I notice it, it attracts all these bugs or cantaloupe. You like cantaloupe? Yeah, I just notice you're eating outside. Your food attracts 
Well, fear attracts. At the same time, faith attracts God. It attracts the Spirit of God right into your life. So we talked about fear in great detail last week. If you weren't here, go get that. I think it's worth listening to. Second point is, let me ask you a question. To what information sources do you give the most attention? We're talking about receiving healing. To what information sources do you give the most attention when it comes to health and healing? That's a great, see, you're looking like, hmm? Now, y'all can respond, but I know you're thinking, right? When you think about your health, what do you pay most attention to? Huh? Before you respond, just think now. This alone determines right now how people are dealing with COVID-19. That thing's been around over a year. And people are still afraid. Huh? That tells me something. That tells me that tells me there's some information going on. Yes or no? Hmm. So it's important that we keep our faith in God built up regardless of what comes. Let me just say COVID-19 is only the beginning of things like this because, uh, and I've said this before, let me say it again, my opinion, this is my opinion. Uh, those who like to control behaviors have figured out a great way to control human behavior worldwide. Did you hear what I just said? It's the truth. I am going to preach. So I said this last week. I need to mention this again. CNN, ABC, NBC, CBS, MSNBC, Fox News, Newsmax, One America News Network, whatever you listen to, your favorite podcast online, your favorite stuff online, whatever you listen to, you know, it's not going to build your faith up in God's word. So, so if you spend more of your time looking at your social apps, looking at the, look, looking online or listening to the news in your vehicle, you're not going to have the faith necessary to ward off sickness when it comes to attack you. Yes or no? Romans 10, 17, very clear. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Here's what that really is saying. The moment you receive information, faith comes. You got to make a choice. It's, it's, it, it can be faith in humans. It can be faith in a virus. It can be faith in whatever, or it can be faith in God. But the only way faith in God comes is by hearing God's word. So to what am I giving most of my attention? That was the question, right? And let me just say this. You got to have a place in your life where you go to get your faith stirred up. Do you have a place you go to? To keep your faith in God for healing stirred up. Let me say this. I would personally not attend a church that did not preach faith and healing. Now, I've been walking with Jesus almost 45 years this year. And I have ne- since, I, since I came to Jesus and was baptized in the Holy Spirit, I have never attended a church that did not preach faith and healing. I won't do it. Because I need it myself. And I need that atmosphere. I've had lots of friends over the years. We've, you know, Susan and I have moved 12 times. And thank God we haven't moved in a long time now. We've been here a long time. But I've, I've got friends all over the place. And I've noticed I've had friends who started out in the journey of faith. But somehow they got off the way. They, they got off the path. And they got into doubt, fear, and unbelief. How many hear me? 
And you know, if you want God's best, you got to find a way, you got to find a way to receive it and to find a way to hear about faith and God's best for health. You got to find a way to hear about healing. How many hear me? You know, uh, this was a big shock to me. I started a church in 1988 in a small town in uh, South Carolina. There were 6,000 people in that town, and I just left a church that had 5,000 people in it in Oklahoma. So it was a rude awakening for me. But I learned a lot in that town. I learned that people, um, people have habits they're not about ready to give up. I also found out if you can start a church in a little town where everybody knows everybody and in, is into everybody's business, or they would say it in South Carolina, business, everybody's in everybody's business. Then I found out when they went to church, everybody's in everybody's business at the church. And then I had people come up to me and say, well, I like the way you preach. I like that healing stuff you're preaching and faith and all. But, you know, my mom and daddy have been going to such and such a church for X number of years. My grandmama's buried in the cemetery. And, you know, if I leave that church, then I won't have a place in the cemetery. Now, maybe you haven't experienced that. Or maybe you have. Maybe, maybe you've been there. I don't know about you. I'd rather live than plan to die. I don't live my life planning to die. I live my life planning to live. And when I die, I'll probably be hoofing it hard. Don't quit midlife. Don't quit before life has begun. It's crazy to me today that people will follow patterns that will send them, some of them, right to hell or keep them bound. People will follow traditions. You know, you know what I found out in life? Now I'm meddling and I'm off my notes. Did you know that I found out that people, uh, people would rather go with what's familiar than to gauge into new territory? Because new territory is scary. I've never been there before. I've never done that before. Well, if you want something new, you got to do something different. And if you're tired of where you are, you got to make a choice and a change. And I don't know about you. I'm a little country boy uh, from the from from the out-of-town area of my hometown, Florence, South Carolina. We had five fields around my house. I mean, I'm a country boy. But God took a country boy and said, I'm going to show you how to live life. And I had to be willing to forsake uh, habits from mama, habits from daddy, habits from aunts, habits from uncles, habits, spiritual habits. I had to be willing to chunk it all because I found something new. You know, I really don't mean to, I, something happens when I get up here. It's crazy. I'm all subdued all Saturday. It's like, what are you going to do tomorrow, Lord? And here it is. It just, wow. But you know, you got to be willing to make some changes. I mean, you got to change the atmosphere. If you want health and healing, you've got to be willing to change the atmosphere of your life. Now, I know from living long enough that you can have an atmosphere of sickness infirmity, disease, and fear in your home. And then all your friends you talk to, well, I got so-and-so again today. It's bothering me again today. And all they talk about, they have organ recitals. My kidneys are bothering me. My lungs are bothering me. My head's bothering me. My stomach's bothering me. My legs bothering me. My toes bothering me. My ears bothering me. My eyes are bothering me. Lord have mercy. Now I got this skin thing. Now I got this thing with the, you know, with all this, uh, all this pollen coming up. I got the sniffles. Now, if that's you, I don't mean to demean you, but at some point you got to move forward. <laughs> 
When I moved back to the Carolinas, I noticed there were pine trees in South Carolina. And then I noticed about end of April, May, this yellow stuff started forming on my car and all over the road and on the mud puddles when it rained. And I thought, and then I noticed sniffles came. And then I noticed an itch in the back of my throat. You know what I'm talking about? And then I noticed my nose started running and I had to blow my nose all day long. And then it swelled up and I couldn't breathe out of my nose. I'd have died if I had to breathe out my nose. It's all, it's all stuffed up. And then my eyes started itching. That's allergies, right? Well, I made a decision. You know what? I just can't live with this the rest of my life. So I started working on it. I started getting into the word of God about it. Does it tempt me today? Yes, it does. But I resist it with everything inside me. I had to change the atmosphere of my life. Now, I could have kept going. I got them allergies. They bothered me again today. But I made a decision. You know what? You know, that's just an overreaction. Histamines in my body are overreacting to what's going on in the atmosphere. And we're going to do something about that. So, you know, I did have to take some allergy medication so at least I could talk. Because at one point, I couldn't even talk. You get what I'm saying? But I got the word. And me and the Father got together with the word and the Lord Jesus. And we've been moving that thing right out, right out of my life. And I want to encourage you to do the same thing with you. But again, you've got to change the atmosphere of your life. Did you notice that Jesus, before he ministered healing, had to change the atmosphere of a room? Now listen to this. Can I just read this to you? Y'all okay? Mark 5, 35, while he was still speaking to her, this is the woman that had the issue of blood and was healed. While he was still speaking to her, messengers arrived from the home of Jairus, the leader of the synagogue. They told him, your daughter's dead. There's no use troubling the teacher now. But Jesus overheard them and said to Jairus, don't be afraid, just have faith. Then Jesus stopped the crowd and wouldn't let anyone go with him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. When they came to the home of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw much commotion and weeping and wailing. Now, what you got to know, let me stop quickly and say, what you got to know about Jewish culture was they had hired mourners. And the more money you had, the more mourners you could hire. And the louder they hollered and wept and threw sand up in the air, then, then the more you loved the person. So the more you weeped, wept, the more you loved. You get it? And so there was a commotion going on at the house. Okay, the daughter had died. And so in verse 39, he went inside. Jesus went inside and asked, why all this commotion and weeping? The child isn't dead. She's only asleep. The crowd laughed at him. But notice Jesus' response. He made them all leave, took the girl's father and mother and his three disciples into the room where the girl was lying, Holding her hand, he said to her, Talitha Kaum, which means little girl, get up. And the little girl who was 12 years old immediately stood up and walked around. They were overwhelmed and totally amazed. Do you see what Jesus had to do there? Uh, why, why did he push the professional mourners out of the room? It created an atmosphere of doubt, fear, unbelief. God can do very little with doubt, fear, and unbelief. And unless I'm willing to move the doubt, fear, and unbelief out of my life, I'm not going to receive healing. Yes or no? 
Here's another illustration. Here's Peter, Acts chapter 9. Same thing happened, but this was Peter, not Jesus. And we could read a number of instances like this in the Gospels, but here's the book of Acts. There was a believer, verse 36, Acts 9, in Joppa named Tabitha, which in Greek is Dorcas. She was always doing kind things for others, helping the poor. About this time, she became ill and died. How many know the devil does attack sometimes? The scripture says the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. They had it backwards when I was a kid. When I was going to church, the devil would heal you, but then Jesus would make you sick. And even as a kid, I'm thinking, well, wait a minute. Somebody's got their job, their job description messed up. I, th- I thought G- Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Jesus, Jesus himself said, the thief comes not before to kill, steal, and destroy. I'm come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. But in my church, they had it all mixed up. If you believed in divine healing, that's of the devil. And I'm thinking, that's the weirdest thing I've ever heard in my life. No, no, they had it backwards. Jesus is the healer. Satan is the one that makes us sick. Yes? So nonetheless here, her body, uh, about this time she became ill and died, the enemy attacks. Her body was washed for burial and laid in an upstairs room. But the believers had heard that Peter was nearby at Lydda. So they sent two men to beg him, please come as soon as possible. So Peter returned with him. And as soon as he arrived, they took him to the upstairs room. The room was filled with widows who were weeping and showing him the coats and other clothes Dorcas had made for them. Now stop right there and look at me. Now now can you imagine how that room felt? Dorcas is laying there. They've washed her body. They've clothed her. She's getting ready. They're getting ready to bury her. There, there, Peter comes in and says, look what she made. We love her so much. We got this kind of stuff in our homes. We've got this in, we, we've got this in us. We, we wear some of the materials that she made. Look how, look how beautiful these things are. She's, she's dead. They were sad. Now, I have to make this statement. Sympathy. Human sympathy, it sounds so strange to say this. Human sympathy will never draw the power of God. My first ministry, now it's not in my notes either. My first ministry, I I visited five churches in Tulsa. I was a janitor in a local church and on the side as a volunteer, twice a week I'd go visit hospitals. We had five hospitals in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and they give me a sheet, big church. People requested we go visit their relatives and then some church members in the hospital, and I'd go visit, and I learned a lot of stuff. I learned a lot about human sympathy. I'd go in some rooms, people that didn't know the Lord didn't understand. They had such sympathy for the one that was hurt and in pain and sick, diseased. They had such and I'm going to tell you that atmosphere of sympathy, human sympathy, sometimes keeps the power of God away. You got to go from sympathy to faith somewhere. How many hear me? So here's Peter. The room was filled with widows who were weeping, showing in the coats and other clothes Dorcas had made for them. But Peter asked them all to leave the room. Seems like you'd have said, would y'all please just kneel down with me and pray? They were in sympathy, not faith. See the difference? Peter asked them all to leave the room. Then he knelt and prayed. If God's going to do something, there has to be an atmosphere of faith and believing and not fear. 
And many times human sympathy is attached to fear. I mean, hear me. Turning to the body, he said, get up, Tabitha. She opened her eyes. Wow. When she saw Peter, she sat up. He gave her his hand, helped her up. Then he called in the widows and all the believers, and he presented her to them alive. The news spread through the whole town. Many believed in the Lord. As I visited those hospitals in Tulsa, there were a number of times I was just really young. I was like 22, 23. I was really young. So I'm usually the youngest guy in the room, you know. And, and if there was a church member there, I would say, can I have a few minutes by myself? Now, the fan family would be there and say, well, okay, okay, okay. They didn't realize what I was doing. I needed to get them out so I could get some faith in this person because they were draining, some of them were draining the faith out of the individual that needed to be healed. How many hear what I just said? My grandmother, Horton. I believe she's in heaven now, but nonetheless, in 1981, uh, 80, Susan and I were living in Tulsa. We went home for Christmas, went by to see Grandma Horton, and I love Grandma Horton. And uh, we went by to see her, and when I went into her home, she had a knot on her neck right here, big old knot. It was a cancerous tumor. My grandma Horton dipped honeybee snuff all her life. If you dip snuff, you ought to stop. Besides being nasty, it could harm you. She gave me one time as a kid, said, I want some of that snuff. She said, no, you don't. I said, yes, I do. She always has some snuff right here in the corner of her mouth. You could see it. And, and then some would just come right down her lip. She had spit tunes all over the house. And she could spit perfectly into the spit tune. I know it sounds really strange. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm from the country, y'all. But when I came and I was in Bible school at the time and came to see her and she had that tumor on her neck, I talked to Grandma for a little bit. I said, Grandma, you know, Jesus wants to heal you. Now, now let me just tell you about Grandma. She... Uh, she did not go to a church that taught healing at all. In fact, they're one of the churches that taught sometimes God says yes, sometimes God says no, and you never know. So she had no faith for healing. So I was talking to Grandma. I said, I want to pray for you. And the Bible says they will lay hands on the sick and they shall recover like to curse this tumor in Jesus' name. Now, she had never heard me talk like that. I'd only known the Lord then for about five years, and I hadn't been around her a lot since. And uh, so uh, as I was talking to her, here's what happened. Some of my aunts came up there, and they were crying, looking at me, all forlorn, you know. Oh, of course, I understand. All of us do. We're upset for Grandma. And they were all concerned for Grandma. Two or three aunts came up, my father's sisters. And I prayed for Grandma, laid hands on her. And uh, I had to leave and go back, and we had to fly back to Tulsa. But when I left, here's what I knew. My grandmama will die. And here's what I thought. I can't change this atmosphere around her. She has no way to get faith in her. She has no way. Unless God performs a supernatural miracle and, and whatever, it didn't happen. She went to be with Jesus the following June. 
Now, did that bother me? Yes. But you know what else it did? It taught me a lesson. If you're going to receive healing, you've got to get the right atmosphere around you. Huh? Now, listen to this. If you've got a relative that's sick and needs healing, you need to get the right kind of atmosphere around them. There's no way that you can get somebody healed. They're believing they're going to die, and you're believing they're going to be healed. There's no agreement. Now, that answers a lot of questions right there, doesn't it? Well, why did I pray for so-and-so and they weren't healed? Well, did they have any faith whatsoever? Did they? Or was something taking faith out of them? Were they surrounded by sympathy and not faith? I understand. I mean, you know, I sympathize. I understand. But at some point, you've got to leave sympathy and go into empathy where you want to help and minister. Jesus had compassion on the sick, and that compassion was manifest by getting the unbelief out of the atmosphere. How many hear me? I know it's a little different, right? Do you know some cities hindered Jesus' ministry because of their unbelief? Mark 6, then Jesus told them, a prophet is honored everywhere except in his own hometown, among his relatives and his own family. And because of their unbelief, he couldn't do any miracles among them except to place his hands on a few sick people and heal them. And he was amazed at their unbelief. Then Jesus went from village to village teaching the people. What was his antidote to their, to their unbelief? Teaching. Just had to teach the word. He said, well, won't be praying for a lot of people here. Got to get the word in them. Do you see that? Go back to my original thought. Faith comes with knowledge. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. Whatever you listen to the most is what you're going to have the faith for, Right? So what are you listening to most? What's the thing you listen to most? That was the question. That was number two, right? Mark 4, 24, Amplified New Testament. He said to them, Jesus said to them, be careful what you're hearing. The measure of thought and study you give to the truth you hear will be the measure of virtue and knowledge that come back to you and more besides will be given to you who hear. He said, be careful what you're hearing. What's he saying? Pay attention to what you're hearing. So, so here's, I've said this, I don't know how many, I bet I've said this thousands of times. There'll never be a time in your life that you don't need faith for healing, either for yourself or for somebody else. Yes or no? If that's true, would it be wise for me to build up my faith in God for healing every single day? Question, what sources do you have that you go to to build up your faith in God for healing? Or do you ever go there? Do you ever think about the scriptures? Do you ever meditate on them? You've got to do it. Now, for the last over 44 years, September will be 45 years, I have spent, and I, I mean I have, every day taking some time to meditate God's word on faith and healing. I've had to personally choose to turn off the negative and turn on the positive. Now listen to this. So this is really strange to say. Sometimes going to church can hinder your faith. I went to church for almost 18 years. It was a little less than, uh, about three weeks less than 18 years at the same church. I met Jesus there in 1966, fell away from God, came back to God in my te late teens. And you know what I found out when I came back to the Lord? I said, God, I got, you know, uh, we had a, my, my dad had a garden, a half an acre garden, and it was my job to de-weed the garden every summer, and I hated every second of it. 
Not only did I have a hoe, but I had to get sometimes with my bare hands to make sure I didn't pull up the plant. I had to take weeds out the garden. Here's what I thought. My mind said, well, I've spent so much time going to church as a kid three times a week. I got so many weeds in my spiritual garden that are keeping me from believing God. I've heard so many things at church. I've got to de-weed my spiritual life. And here's what I surmise. Sometimes it's better just to be a heathen without Jesus. Or a pagan worshiping some other God than to be a person that went to church all your life, but your church filled you with doubt, fear, and unbelief. It's really hard to get over it. Is this too strong? It's true. I mean, I heard things like sickness may be a blessing in disguise. Mentioned some of this last week. God sometimes allows you to be sick to teach you something. You give God a lot of glory by enduring sickness. Or there may be someone that God wants you to minister to you'd never meet unless you were sick. Well, you know, you, know, you, can, you can minister to people anywhere you are. That's true, right? But I'm telling you, I never heard that God wants to heal you and wants to heal you now and it's his will. I never heard that, so I had to de-weed my life. So as a result, I spent a lot of time after I came to Jesus, and I mentioned this last week, I had a fear of dying that was placed in me at age 13, and that fear was so strong. You, you know, thoughts are subtle. You know, you're, you, hopefully you're listening to me. You may be planning lunch or a brunch. But if you're listening to me, you still got background thoughts in your head, right? And, and you know, you can be tooling around doing your job, going to school, whatever you do during the week, or just having some leisure time mowing your lawn. But you still go in the, back, in the background, have thoughts that are constantly rolling. And those thoughts determine how your angle is, what your angle is on life. And unless you deal with those thoughts, that angle never changes. So when I came to Jesus saw the healing belonged to me, guess what? There were weeds in my spiritual garden. What were the spiritual weeds? Thoughts. Thoughts that told me I was going to die young. Thoughts that told me I had to be filled with sickness and disease. Uh, thoughts that told me every sickness that come along the pike I'm going to get. And I had to say, no, 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 no. God's promised me healing and health, and I had to resist it. Some people never resist the thoughts they've had all their life, and they wonder why they struggle. If your life is going to change, your thoughts have to change. I've got a book. Actually, it's at the press. We've been working on it since last August. It's helping my patients. The title is Change Your Mind to Change Your Life. Unless your thoughts change, you're not going to change. It's not possible to receive healing and walk in health if all you think about is the next sickness that may come and you might get it. Now the world has been conditioned to think about sickness. The world has become sickness-minded. Yes or no? The world has become fear-minded. I mean, listen, I'm riding my bicycle on the Noose River Trail, and there are people riding by me with masks on. You don't need a mask on the trail. I have to say it. I'm sorry. I'm not sorry. I'll say it. Or I got people jogging, got, got a mask on, and I'm thinking, now I'm hoofing hard here. I'm doing 30 miles on my bike, and I'm sucking all the air I can. How in the world are they sucking air through that thing all around their nose? <sighs> and here's the next thing I know. They're afraid because of what they've been hearing. Why am I not afraid? Well, it's because of what I've been hearing. I've been pulling weeds. Listen, I've been pulling weeds. I've got to 
toned this down pretty quickly. I've been pulling weeds for almost 45 years. And every now and then they still want to rise up even after all that time. You hear me? Thoughts will come that were there when I was a kid. Say, whoa, 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 whoa. What, what's, where did that come from? That's not motivated by God. That's motivated by the God of this world, the devil. I resist that. Fear thoughts. Sickness thoughts. Disease thoughts are not from heaven. How many hear me? So you got to make a, make a choice. I'm going to put something inside of me. Now, I've done your homework for you. In the notes, if you'll go online, and I've got to hurry. I've got a lot to say, and I don't have time to say it. Can I just start this next week? But I want to end by, by saying this. Um, get the word inside. The word is the cure for fear and unbelief. And the word of God is the basis for health in the believer. Yes or no? Some people put all of their faith in their diet, all of their faith in exercising. Y'all hear me? All of their faith in these natural things. And I do all of that. I walk, You know, you may not know it. I actually write down every single thing I eat every day. I have a record. If you want to see it, I ain't going to let you see it. I exercise a lot. I usually, if I'm not riding my bike, I'm walking two or three miles every day. I believe in rest. Well, you can believe in all that and die sick. See, it's what you think. Thoughts attract either the power of God or fear thoughts attract demonic things like sickness and disease. Yes or no? So, Cutting to the chase, if you've had a certain kind of infirmity in your body for X number of years and the doctor said, well, you've got to take this the rest of your life, there's no cure. Or you're a person that's prone to sickness. You know, some people, just their disposition, they're just the way they're, they're made, they, they, they seem like they get sick a lot. Have you noticed that? Now, if, if I were in your shoes and I was that kind of person, I'd start getting the Word of God inside of me. Because here's what I found. It'll drive all that out. And it'll put inside of you a basis of faith that regardless of the physical attack that comes, you can be healed. Now, I realize I've got to make this real practical and I can't say everything I want to say today. I realize that we are attacked. I realize that, you know, people sometimes need to take medications. I'm saying don't stop taking your medication. What I am saying, take God's medicine. Proverbs chapter 4, verses 20 through 23. My son, pay attention to what I say. Listen carefully to my words. Don't lose sight of them. Don't uh, let them penetrate deep into your heart. For they, my words, bring life to those who find them and healing to their whole body. One translation says, they're life to those that find them in medicine to the whole flesh. So sometimes I say, well, I'm just going to go take my medicine. Open my Bible. Because this, how many know it's God? Kenneth Hagin's got a book, God's Medicine, right? So here's the progression, as, and i got to close with this. i got a lot more to say. We'll take up here next week. What you think about is what you eventually believe. So if you're a person that has a lot of physical malady, sickness, and that kind of, well, see, that's kind of entrenched in you. It's in your thoughts. you got to root that out somehow. I liken it to pulling weeds in the garden, right? So, so here's the progression. 
believe, uh, thinking, believing, speaking. They all go together, right? Right? So here's a progression, and i got to stop with this. We'll start next week here. Hearing, thinking, believing, speaking, and then acting. That's the way it works. So if i got to change my actions, and I want to stand against sickness in my life, I first of all got to change what I'm hearing. So that means I may need to turn the news off, turn the app off, turn the phone off, and do something to turn the word on every day. Right? Let me tell you what I did. Everybody okay? I've been talking for about 39 minutes. Everybody okay? When I first came to the Lord, I would take, and I'd never done this. I worked, I was going to college, and I I, uh, had a job at a grocery store, and um, and I'd bring my food to eat, you know. And I'd go to my car uh, on break to eat my lunch or whatever. And I began something I'd never done before. See, if you want what you've never had, you've got to do what you've never done. I just took healing scripture, scriptures that promised healing. And I began to read them out loud. Then I'd close my eyes and read them. I'd read them three, four, five times and see if I could say them without looking at them. And I began to memorize them. I said it earlier, they're in your notes. They're in the notes I put online. There's a whole bunch of scripture. Those are the script. I still meditate on those scriptures. I woke up last night and I meditated on those scriptures. I could rattle them off, but I don't have time. I'm just saying I meditated because I had to pull weeds out of my life. And what I found as a young 18-year-old boy, the more I read scripture and said it out loud with my own mouth, what you say registers on your heart in an amazing way. I just did my taxes a few weeks ago, a couple of weeks ago. And, you know, you got all these numbers, you know, you got to write down and transfer here and there. You know how I remember numbers? In fact, uh, anyway... The way I remember numbers is I don't care if it's uh, six or seven numbers at a time. I say them out loud. I look at it and say three, four, five, seven, six, nine, two. Oh, three, four, five, seven, six, nine, two. Because I've learned that words register on you. So see, there's a principle. If you want the word of God to register on you, let your mouth, let yourself hear your own, let your ears hear your mouth say what God says. It's amazing. It's a transformation. It'll pull the doubt weeds out. You hear me? Hearing forms thinking. Thinking produces believing. Believing produces speaking. Speak, and all of that produces action. Now, you can't change actions until you start changing what you're hearing. See the difference? So can I challenge you? You know, what I say today matters not at all unless you do something with it. I mean, I believe this so much, I would be willing to get down on my all fours in front of you and say, would you please change your ways? Would you please meditate the word? Because it's life to those that find it. And the word is medicine.
It's better than any medicine you've ever taken. How many hear me? 